What's up, divers? Welcome into the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow me on Twitter at DeepDiveFF, on Instagram at DeepDiveFantasyFootball, and as always, check out the website DeepDiveFantasyFootball.com. With that being said, let's get to the content. What's up, divers? Welcome into the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon, and it is a Tuesday. So we're going over our game recaps, our waivers, you know, what we learned from this week. And usually I will hit you guys with some like where I was right, where I was wrong, and a couple other things, but I'm kind of on a time crunch today. So we're just going to go over the waiver pickups and what we learned. Um, The other things that we usually do go over that I will uh, be skipping over is the buy low sell highs, but what we usually kind of hit on that in the recaps anyway, so you guys are not losing any content. I promise you guys on that that much at least. And with that said, we can get started. Waiver pickups. If you have a deep bench or if you're in Dynasty or whatever the case may be, Miami defense is a good pickup and a good hold for the future. Because if you're thinking, oh, I'm going to make it to the playoffs, or you really just need that really good defense towards the end of the season, right before playoffs, Miami defense is perfect for you. They're only owned in 30% of leagues. So if you have that deep bench and you can afford to hold a defense, Miami defense from weeks 11 through 13 plays Denver, which is all three of these teams are top six for most points allowed to fantasy football defenses. That's Denver, the Jets, and the Bengals. Those are their three matchups from weeks 11, 12, 13. Week 13 is the last week of fantasy playoffs or fantasy regular season. Then you have Darnell Mooney. Darnell Mooney is 6% owned. I was talking about him on the last podcast, so most of you guys already heard me talk about him. But Nick Foles finally started connecting with him before there was the issue of the constant misses. Oh, overthrow here, overthrow there, errant pass. Well, this week, he connected very well with Darnell Mooney as well as Anthony Miller, which we'll get to later. So Darnell Mooney in deep leagues, dynasty leagues, uh, you know, 14-teamers, whatever, Darnell Mooney is definitely worth an add, especially if he continues to develop more chemistry with Nick Foles. Then we have Gus Edwards. He's only 30% owned. Look, he's worth rostering. That's why I have to mention him here because, as you guys know, at least the people who have listened for a while. My waiver pickup section is for people under 35% owned. Those are the people that I tend to focus on. Gus Edwards is 30%, so I have to mention him because he should be owned, but he's going to be frustrating. He's not somebody that I personally am happy to have on my roster, especially with Mark Ingram coming back. Him, Edwards, and Dobbins, it's going to be frustrating all year between the three of them, especially when they're in negative game scripts, which doesn't happen often to the Ravens. But when it does, Gus Edwards is going to be someone that struggles. So he's not somebody I'm super excited about, but he's definitely somebody worth being on the roster, especially because if Ingram, who's already dealing with injury, continues to deal with injury or re-injures himself or something happens, and then it's just Edwards and Dobbins, then all of a sudden he's worth something. Then we have a name I never thought that I would be saying, Troy Maine. Pope. Troy Main Pope, he is the coming into the season RB4 for the Los Angeles Chargers. And if you're super desperate, I'm not too excited about the guy, but if you're super desperate, he's worth a pickup. He's owned in 0% of leagues, of course. He had 15 touches this week for the Chargers versus the Broncos, and he looked pretty good. He was very efficient. And by no means do I think he is better than Justin Jackson. He might be better than Josh Kelly, but you guys know 
um, listening to me that I've always thought that Josh Kelly hype was way out of control. Um, and, you know, he's not nearly as good as everyone was hyping him up to be. So Troy Main, Troy Main Pope ended up out-touching Josh Kelly. Justin Jackson still led the backfield, though, in this game. And also, we're approaching that time where Austin Eckler could be back in two, three weeks from now. So, which, I mean, hopefully he is because all these injured guys, hopefully they start they start coming back. McCaffrey should be back this week. Hopefully Eckler soon. Carson, hopefully next week. Hopefully nothing's wrong with Ridley. Just so many injured guys. Michael Thomas is hopefully back next week. We got a lot of returnees. And hopefully Eckler is another one soon. So Troy, Troy Main Pope, tough name to say. Troy Main Pope, he is a guy who I don't think is going to be super relevant. But if you need a running back for next week, especially given the team they're playing, the easy matchup, I believe it's the Raiders. I remember saying it was an easy matchup. I think it's the Raiders, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, Troy Main Pope. And this is something I'll talk about on the third day, Thursday podcast, as always, my starts and sits for that week. But he's somebody that is worth a spot. And then lastly... Jalen Rager, it's not a huge week. There weren't any like devastating injuries for, you know, fantasy superstars other than George Kittle, which we'll get to. Um, Jalen Rager, 25% owned. He is back finally and another returnee. There you go. And he looks really good. Now let's talk about what we learned going rewind the clock all the way back to Thursday night game, Falcons, Panthers. Calvin Ridley got injured really early on and he's questionable for next week. The MRIs came back negative, which is a good thing. It's a positive thing. So hopefully he can play this week. They're saying, you know, it seems like he'll be fine. He probably won't miss this week. But, you know, there's always the chance that he does. So he got injured early. Todd Gurley was horrible, but he had a touchdown. He saves your chance to sell high. If you have Todd Gurley, it is time to sell high. You have to have been preaching it for the past two, three weeks. This is the last chance to do so. His next five matchups... Next five, Broncos, then a bye week. And the Broncos defense has been picking up, and they're a tough defense to run against. Then a bye week, then the Saints defense, great defense. Raiders, that's the one good matchup, and then Saints defense again. So four out of the next five weeks are horrible. Two, three are bad matchups, one's a bye week, and then he's got one good matchup in there. Plus, he's been super inefficient. He doesn't get the receiving work. He's been saved by touchdowns. Gurley, it's time to sell him high. Then we have the Panthers, the side of the ball. Their offense flopped, completely flopped in a super juicy matchup. It hurt me. It, it, it cut deep because I had some starts of the week in there, and uh, they just they killed me through all my matchups. Christian McCaffrey, we need you back, please. Robbie Anderson, he did out-target DJ Moore again. He is the number one wide receiver there. DJ Moore, disappointed. Robbie Anderson, disappointed. Teddy Bridgewater, disappointed. Mike Davis, disappointed. This was a slam matchup versus a bad Falcons defense. And the Falcons shouldn't even be winning games. They should be tanking. And they beat the Panthers. So, which, I mean, some of most of us thought the Pan Panthers would be tanking, trying to get a quarterback instead of Teddy Bridgewater. But they've been really good. But yeah, so complete flop by the Panthers offense. Then we have the next game, Patriots-Bills. There wasn't too many takeaways from the Falcons game other than the girly sell high. If you watched the Patriots-Bills game, you knew, 100% you knew, Cam Newton was going to fumble at some point. I said it, my friend said it while we were watching the game, and then it happened. It came in the fourth quarter, the worst time possible for New England fans, unless you're rooting for the loss, which I wouldn't blame, and the Bills barely win it. Damian Harris, he looked really good. He is the absolutely the only Patriot I would not mind owning in regular fantasy leagues. I don't want any of the receivers. I don't want Cam Newton because last week he was benched. This week he 
lost the game at the end. He might be on the trade block. Who knows? I'm at time of recording. So you guys are going to hear this Thursday or Tuesday morning. Tuesday morning, this is going to come out. So there will only be, you know, a certain amount of hours, like maybe nine, depending on when you listen to it, before the trade deadline ends, because that's today at the time of listening on Tuesday at 4 p.m., I believe. So, so far, when I'm recording, Cam Newton is still a Patriot. I would not be surprised if he gets shipped off somewhere because the Patriots clearly, clearly have no chance in the playoffs. So if for some reason Bill Belichick was thinking he could make a run this year with Cam, I think it's clear to him that he cannot. And if he thinks he can get anything for him, I wouldn't be surprised if he trades them to, for example, the Cowboys. But with that said, we knew Cam was going to fumble. And the the Bills took it, took the fumble, used it to their advantage, won the game. Damian Harris looked good. Jacoby Myers, he dominated the targets. He had a serviceable day, but that was without Nikhil Harry. That was without Julian Edelman. And because of that, I'm completely out on this wide receiver core. Josh Allen had a predictably bad day. Bad, wow, bad day. So I'm doing something new right now in case uh, in case you're listening to the podcast because uh, I'm recording a video too and it's kind of throwing me off. That's what just happened. Josh Allen has a predictably bad day. Goodness gracious. Um, and Stephon Diggs is the only wide receiver to do anything. And see, now that I have video, I have video of me like <laughs> super red face right now because of the thing that I just said. Okay, Stephon Diggs, only wide receiver to do anything. Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, both of them ran well, right? Zach Moss got the touchdowns. He got two of them and he did have a good game. And you guys always hear me talk about how I don't want a piece of Devin Singletary. I don't want a piece of Zach Moss and neither of them are going to be great for fantasy. I completely stand by that point still. This was an outlier game. The Bills running backs will not be dependable. Maybe there's one sliver, one avenue. Maybe the Bills try getting back to last year's 52-48 split. Remember that was last year they ran the ball 48% of the time and 52% of the time they passed this year, it's been about 60-40. Maybe they try to get back to last year's 52-48 split with Josh Allen struggling, but it's unlikely because I think the biggest thing was getting Stephon Diggs, and that really helped Josh Allen. Also, the Patriots, it's a tough defense, so I'm not, that's why I said it was a predictably bad day for him, because we wouldn't expect him to be really good versus the Patriots. Then we have the Raiders Browns game. So yeah, with Singletary and Moss, real quick, I'm still out on those guys. Look, maybe, maybe if Moss completely takes the role away from Singletary, then he'll be flex-worthy, but I don't see that happening. I'm sure Singletary and Moss will be splitting all year long, and there's not that much to split. Raiders-Browns, this game was definitely a surprise. Um, I know me, myself, and, you know, a whole bunch of other people were looking at this game like, ooh, we love this matchup. Raiders, bad defense. Browns, bad defense. Both have decent offenses. That usually equals fantasy points. Instead, the game is 16-6, to and there's really not much to take away from this game, at least on the Raiders' side of the ball, except the fact that they're not involving Josh Jacobs as a receiver. Again, guys, when are you going to learn? Josh Jacobs is one of the best running backs in the game. Throw him the ball. Make him better for fantasy. Make him better for your team. Make your offense better. It helps everyone. Just throw the ball to Josh Jacobs, please. Moving to the Brown side, Rashard Higgins and Donovan Peoples-Jones basically get no work, three targets to Rashard Higgins, and even worse, zero targets to my guy, DPJ, Donovan Peoples-Jones, zero targets. If y'all are not throwing him at least four or five balls a game, you are 
like gravely mistaken, especially with OBJ out. This guy is good, I'm telling you, and you didn't even give him a chance. So get the ball to DPJ. I think that's a huge mistake by the coaching staff, by Baker not trying to get him the ball. Jarvis Landry, he got 11 targets. He gets a touchdown stolen from him. Thus, because of that, he had a bad day. If he had the touchdown, it would have been a good day for him. If the Browns want to be good, they can't just have Jarvis and the running backs be their entire offense. I know Nick Chubb is going to come back soon, another returnee, but you can't just with OBJ out be like, all right, our offense, it's going to be the running backs and Jarvis Landry. You have to get the other guys involved. Even if you don't get DPJ involved, at least get Richard Higgins more involved than three targets. That's not going to do it. And on one positive note, because this game was really just ugly, one positive note, I did call the Raiders upset on Twitter. Cleveland was favored by three and a half in Vegas, and I tweeted out, I was like, this is ridiculous. Why is Cleveland favored? The Raiders have a good team. They've taken down the Chiefs. They've taken down the Saints. They're not going to lose to Cleveland. Well, I was right. They didn't. Um, And also, this actually breeds a new segment I'm going to be starting to include in my Thursday podcasts. Within my friend group, just with, with some buddies, I also called the Bengals upset over the Titans and the Dolphins upset over the Rams. So all of a sudden I was like, wow, I called three really like spot on upsets this week. Maybe this could be something I try out on Thursday. We'll see how it goes. And so I'm going to start a new segment called three upsets against the spread. So every week on Thursday, I'm going to start adding this into the show. I'm going to, and it's not necessarily saying I think it's going to happen because, you know, I will it's hard to be convinced like 100% on three upsets every week. But every single week, I'm going to pick the games, the three games that I think are most likely to be upsets based on who's favored in Vegas. And then the Jets, because I was three for three this week on that. Then the Jets versus Chiefs. Jets still suck. I'm not touching any of them other than Denzel Mims in Dynasty. Maybe Chris Herndon in deep ones. I know in one really deep Dynasty league, I have Chris Herndon, and I'm hoping for a quarterback change. Um, not that there's anything wrong with Sam Darnold, but if you get Trevor Lawrence in there with a new offensive coordinator, hopefully they can get Eric Bieniemy from the Chiefs, then all of a sudden you've got Mims, you've got Mekhi Becton, a great left tackle to, to build a, dy- or a franchise around, Chris Herndon, and then you know Trevor Lawrence, that would be sick. And I'm a believer in Sam Darnold. I think he's he's got a really short hand, just like Josh Rosen, except I think he's way better than Josh Rosen. And I think he's going to be good somewhere. I actually just trade a second for him in a Superflex Dynasty League because I know the guy was... Wait, was it a second? No, it was going to be a second, but then it was Robbie Anderson. Switched it. I traded away Robbie Anderson. I have We have a bunch of receiver depth. Um, so I just uh, sent off Robbie Anderson for Sam Darnold because we needed some quarterbacks. And I think he'll be a starter in two years somewhere really good. He might have to take the Jameis Winston route, Sam Darnold I'm still talking about here. He might have to take the Jameis Winston route and, you know, go back up somebody somewhere. But maybe not. We'll see what happens. Anyways, the Chiefs on their side of the the ball, they spread the wealth as predicted. Look, they're playing a team that they know 100%. There's no way they lose to this team. The team has not won one game. The Chiefs are the best team in the league, at least in my opinion. I still think so, even over my Bucks. I think the Chiefs are still the best team in the league. And so there's no reason for them to get their best players involved and overwork their best players. So Le'Veon Bell and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, they got the same workload, exact same workload, same carries, same targets, same receptions. I thought Bell would get more. I really did. But they ended up turning to Darrell Williams or Daryl Williams. I think it's Daryl. And Darwin Thompson, both of those guys got touches. So they actually gave touches to four of their running backs. And that's part of the reason Clyde had a bad game. Don't be freaking out about 
Clyde. All right, Mikkel, Mikkel Hardman led the wide receiver group in targets with nine. That should kind of tell you something about the way they were playing this game. This was kind of a see what we can try kind of game for the Chiefs, you know? They're trying some crazy stuff. Mahomes had like two ridiculous passes where he's like not even looking like craziness and he pulled them off. It was sick. So I'm not panicking on Clyde. There's no reason to get him uh, involved in a blowout. So I'm not worried about him at all. Then we got the Colts-Lions game. The Colts won 41-21 to and Jonathan Taylor got 11 carries. One and one. 11 carries. You've got to be kidding me. He got 14 touches. You know how many touches went to the running back room in this game? 45. 45. He got 14. That is less than 33% of the, the touches in the running back room. This is a huge problem for Jonathan Taylor owners. I watched Jordan Wilkins get two carries inside the five-yard line. And he, one was a two-point conversion, one was a touchdown. And Trey Burton, I watched him get a rushing touchdown inside the five-yard line, a tight end, a rushing touchdown, inside the five-yard line. Jonathan Taylor has already been inefficient. His vision has not been good. I just retweeted um, a great video that somebody shows one of the problems with Jonathan Taylor's vision right now of him basically going like probably, I don't know, half a yard in front of the line of scrimmage into his O-lineman with a huge like four foot gap or like six foot gap maybe on his left wide open and he doesn't even see it. It's right next to him. It's atrocious. But look, I'm not worried about him with all that said. I'm not worried about Jonathan Taylor for dynasty, but this year that is a huge problem. And I've told you guys in the past that he the the running scheme that he's dealing with here in Indy is not nearly the same as Wisconsin and yes Indy has an amazing old line but the holes that were being opened for him in Wisconsin were way bigger way more obvious and it's just it's different so he's trying to learn you know he's trying to learn it I think that's going to continue to be a problem throughout the year and so going back to what I was saying initially the combination of him being inefficient his vision not being good and he's getting less than 50 percent of the weird the less than 50 percent of the work and this was in a positive game script, this is not good at all. I have him in only one of my 11 leagues because I was not nearly as high on him this season as most people were, and I'm trying to trade him away. So the perfect trade bait, if you want to follow me in trying to, to trade him away, but only obviously you have to get good value. Don't just trade him away for nothing. The perfect trade bait for me is his upcoming easy schedule. I'm pretty sure they're playing the Ravens next week. That's horrible, but after that, they have a really, really nice schedule, which also like kind of makes you want to hold him. But I don't think that his inefficiencies and stuff like this was a great matchup versus the Detroit Lions. This was a great matchup and he was horrible. And Wilkins was fine. Naheem Hines was fine. He was the only one that was bad. So I, I can't let the schedule just completely influence me. So I'm going to use that to my advantage and try to use it as a trade piece. Horrible game script for the Lions running backs. They were down so much. They're not going to be able to run the ball. I didn't take note of it, but I think they had like 11 carries across their entire backfield or something super ridiculously small. DeAndre Swift did lead the backfield, though, in touches, which is super promising. That was the thing we've been worried about. TJ Hawkinson, he hasn't had any huge games this season, but he's been super consistent. Marvin Jones, guys, he's still alive. Still alive. Two games in a row. Kenny Galladay left the game. Early to an injury, had zero catches off four targets. Hopefully he's back soon. I'm sure he's going to miss next week, but we don't have 
the exact timeline. At least I don't yet at time of recording. Maybe something will come out soon, so keep an eye out for that. Titans, Bengals. The Titans got exposed. This week, this entire week, was crazy because a lot of really good teams or people or teams that people thought were really good and, and possible Super Bowl contenders got massively exposed. We saw the Titans get exposed by the Bengals. The Packers got exposed by the Vikings. What was the other big one? Um, some people don't really consider them Super Bowl contenders, but I've been saying on this podcast for the longest time that the Rams' record is way better than the way they look if you watch them play. The Dolphins exposed that this week. So there's been a lot of things going on this week that I really like to see. And that was starting in this game with Joe Burrow and his receivers exposing, and the run game, honestly, exposing the Titans' defense. That's their weakness. They're not nearly as good as their record indicates. All of their wins are versus bad teams by a small margin of victory. It, I heard some ridiculous stat like, when they were undefeated, when they were 5-0, and they their margin of victory was like 11 points or something. So they're winning like each week by, you know, the whatever, what's the saying? The skin on your chin or whatever it is. They're, they're barely getting by in all their wins, and it was versus bad teams. All right, their defense is a problem. Corey Davis, though, he did do very well. 10 targets, 8 receptions, 128 yards, and a touchdown. The upcoming schedule is not exciting at all for that team. Jonu Smith has been producing on a very, very minuscule amount of volume, and it was off the back of touchdowns. He's coming back to earth now. Joe Burrow had a decent day, and as I said on Thursday's podcast, only two of the Bengals wide receivers, maybe three, but at least two of the Bengals wide receivers would have good days, and one of them was guaranteed to be Tyler Boyd because he's the slot receiver. T. Higgins and A.J. Green battle on the outside. And I told you guys, I doubt the two outside receivers are going to have the good day. And then Boyd in the slot is going to have a bad one. Exactly, like perfectly in line with the narrative. Tyler Boyd has a great day. T. Higgins has a good day. They combine for 34 points. And A.J. Green had a bad day. Boyd is currently wide receiver eight on the season. This is why you listen to the podcast right here. Tyler Boyd is wide receiver eight. What was he ranked here at Deep Dive Fantasy Football before the season started? Wide receiver eight. What was his fantasy ECR? That's expert consensus ranking. His expert consensus ranking was about wide receiver 28 to 30 all offseason. I had him ranked over 20 spots higher than all of the fantasy experts. And he's right in line with me right now, baby. Let's go. Tyler Boyd, wide receiver eight on the season. Let's keep it up. And also, this is why you should tell your friends about me and share the wealth. Because, you know, if you are got a bunch of buddies that play fantasy football, I know we all do, that aren't in the league with you, reach out. Tell them to check out your boy, Brandon, over here at Deep Dive Fantasy Football. I'm trying to win us some championships, guys. Samaj P. Ryan, he gets involved with 11 touches, so it wasn't just the Gio Bernard show, but... Bernard was still great. Samaj Piran was actually pretty decent as well. We should be excited for Mixon's return. Seeing how good that, especially the development of Joe Burrow so far with T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, the development of that offense, and they finally started getting Auden Tate the ball, which you guys know I was super high on and was trying to get him for basically nothing is what you could have got him for in Dynasty because he is going to be the wide receiver three taking over for A.J. Green after this season. And it's going to be him and Higgins on the outside with Boyd in in the slot. And I knew John Ross was going to be out of Cincinnati. He's requesting a trade right now. So I knew from the start, before the season started, this was going to be the the three receivers that was going to be the core for the future with Burrow. Auden Tate finally got involved. I think he had seven targets um, this game, either seven or five. And, you know, he outshined A.J. Green. Um, So all of these guys 
developing with Joe Burrow is going to make it way easier for Mixon. That's why part of the reason we've seen Gio Bernard be so successful is because the passing game is more of a threat now. We should be excited for Mixon when he comes back. Vikings-Packers. The Vikings game, or their receiving game, did nothing for three reasons. The Packers can't stop the run to save their lives. That was exposed. Uh, the Bucks had exposed it. Other teams had exposed it. The Vikings completely just blew it out of the water this week. Dalvin Cook is a beast. That's the second reason the Vikings receiving game did nothing. And third, the Vikings played with the lead all game. Dalvin Cook had 33 touches for 226 yards and four touchdowns. Ridiculous. And because of this, Justin Jefferson did nothing. Adam Thielen did nothing. Kirk Cousins did nothing. And it's that's cool because I was telling you guys I was not touching Adam Thielen or Justin Jefferson this week because I knew Jair Alexander was going to lock down one of them. He had been a super lockdown um, so far through the season. So, you know, there you go. That worked out well for us. Devontae Adams, he remains to be the pretty much the entire offense for Green Bay while Aaron Jones is out. 12 targets, three touchdowns. Three touchdowns. Devontae Adams, wide receiver. That's sick. I know Dalvin had four, but I'm not sure what's more impressive, a wide receiver getting three or a running back getting four. Uh, I'd, I'd say it's pretty similar, and especially because Dalvin Cook's also a receiving threat. And then Jamal Williams was really good, and Aaron Jones stead again. And before we move to the next game, that's Steelers-Ravens, I want to go back and just mention something real quick in the Bengals-Titans game. So um, just with my setup right now, actually, let me see if I can pull it up. But I just posted, I'll talk to you guys about it while I find it, I just posted a graphic on twitter um super simple just go deep remember deep dive ff on twitter if you don't know already follow me there i posted that and um it, it's showing you the Bengals receivers so far and showing you why aj green is basically done okay so here's here it is i just found it pulled it up the Bengals wide receiver productivity this season i chose two stats i chose catch rate and i chose yards per target catch rate for obvious reasons shows you how many of the balls that are thrown your way you catch and yards per target is a good mix between catch rate and how deep your routes are. So sometimes you'll have somebody that's a really, really good wide receiver. Their catch rate is 50%. If you just look at the catch rate, hey, they're not a good receiver, but then you see they're getting 20 yards per reception and their yards per target are 10, is 10 yards per target. That's insane. So all of a sudden, the guy that you thought just because you looked at his catch rate was really bad was actually really good. So yards per target is even better than catch rate. But here you go. Here's both for the three or what were the three main wide receivers for the Bengals. I didn't include Auden Tate because he hasn't gotten any targets on the season. Too small of a sample size. So Tyler Boyd, so far through the season, catch rate 79.4%. T. Higgins catch rate 63.5%. A.J. Green's, this is a drum roll. Oh, I just got my dogs to bark. Great. 49%. So Tyler Boyd, 79. T. Higgins, 63.5. A.J. Green, 49.2. This already shows you A.J. Green is no longer the guy that a lot of people were hoping he would be. Now let's go. Let's look at yards per target. Maybe he's been super good on a per reception basis. Nope. Tyler Boyd, yards per target, 8.6. T. Higgins, yards per target, 9.4. And then A.J. Green, yards per target, 5. Five, flat, five, point zero. That is atrocious. So, you know, just go follow the Twitter because I post out, you know, stuff like that that's really good, really helpful all the time. And now I'm going to switch back over to my notes um, for the podcast and we can continue going. And we are continuing with the Steelers-Ravens game. Deontay Johnson, he got hurt. He came back. 
he was not really used. This guy is continuously in and out like of lineups, not not lineups, in and out of like the games with injuries, and thus it's always hard for me to play him in my lineups. I have him on like two, I think two of my 11 teams, and um, you know, I can never bring myself to start him because he always gets hurt. I'm trying to see if I can find a trade partner for him, but it's no doubt when he is fully healthy and on the field, he is the number one there. Juju Smith-Schuster, Chase Claypool, goodness gracious, James Conner, Eric Ebron, all of them have good days, 13 to 15 points. All of them were in that range. Lamar Jackson continues to struggle as a passer. We are starting to see why, and I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm not trying to be like super down on Lamar. I like Lamar, okay? I'm just saying. We are starting to see why he lasted till 32 in that draft. And he's definitely better than... I'm trying to remember who was in that draft class. Give me one moment. It was Baker. Yeah, it was Baker, Lamar, Josh Allen, uh, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, right? All four of them or five of them. I'm pretty sure he's definitely better than, um, I mean, I guess at this point you could say, yeah, he's definitely better than Baker. Um, He's better than Baker. He's better than Rosen. It's really, and Darnold, I mean, given the situation, I don't want to judge Darnold too harshly yet, but he's probably better than Darnold. Josh Allen, though, I mean, he's starting to see a downturn. Actually, this did not, this narrative did not work out how I was planning it. But either way, he's not doing what he needs to do as a passer. So maybe, you know, all the quarterbacks in that class are kind of just underwhelming. But, um, which is not what we're seeing from uh, from this class so far with Herbert and Burrow being ballers. And then two is about to start hopefully balling. And, and they could, all three of them can be great in the league. But um, yeah, so Lamar, he's been struggling as a passer. And not only that, being a factor in hurting Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews, but also the fact that not only is he inefficient and has a lot of errant errant throws in his passing skills, but also it's a very low volume. He doesn't pass the ball a lot. So it's very hard for Marquise Brown or Mark Andrews to get enough looks to be good for fantasy, to be trustworthy. J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards, they both got about 15 carries. One was 15, one was 16. With Mark Ingram out, they both have good days because of it, but I'm not liking either of them this season with Ingram coming back. I was telling you guys about Gus Edwards earlier in the waiver pickups. Ingram's going to come back probably next week, and I'm not too excited about any of the three-headed monster here. Technically, four-headed monster if you count Lamar Jackson, who also ran the ball like 16 times. Rams-Dolphins, I had a feeling that this game could be close, and I had a small chance, or I thought there was a small chance Miami could win, and they did. And why did I think that? It was because how Goff has played so far this season and how Miami defense has been playing recently. Tua, in his debut, it was not great. It was definitely not great. All of the metrics, if you look at stats, if you're somebody that checks stats and just looks at like box score, all those metrics were really bad. But, you know, it's one game, guys. It's one game. He's a rookie. I'm not going to overreact. Devontae Parker, also, this is completely different from what he did in, in college. Devontae Parker, I am worried about. It's not the type of wide receiver Tua likes, or maybe, you know, maybe we, we can't really say that because we don't know what he likes, but it's not the type of wide receiver that he's used to throwing to. In college, let's think about, let's analyze the four receivers so far or that he's had in college. So he's had Jalen Waddle hasn't come out yet, and Devonta Smith that haven't come out yet. Both of them are great route runners. Both of them are very athletic, speedy, create separation on routes. And then the two that did come into the draft class that are rookies right now, Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs. Jerry Judy's the best route runner to come out for wide receivers in like four or five years. And Henry Ruggs runs 4-2 speed. 
everybody that Tua has been throwing the ball to is always wide open. Devontae Parker is not a wide receiver like that at all. He's a 50-50 guy. So I'm super worried about him. He only he got the touchdown, which is cool. It'll make it easy to sell him if you have him. Um, maybe not easy, but easier. But yeah, he got, I think, three targets, two or three targets. And I don't think he's going to be somebody that Tua really gravitates to a lot because he doesn't create much separation. Preston Williams, he had two atrocious drops. They were so bad. Like one was right to his hip and his hands, and I was just so upset that he dropped it. Cause like Tua, yes, he has bad he had bad numbers in this debut and he didn't look that great. Even if you pull out the numbers from it, he just didn't look that good. But he definitely did not get much help from the receivers. And then Miles Gaskin, Tua was checking down to him, as expected. Miles Gaskin led the receiving room in, in targets. Cam Akers got touches. Finally, finally, nine carries, 35 yards. Cooper Cup got a ridiculous 21 targets, but Robert Woods still had the better day in fantasy with eight targets because he had two touchdowns. Gerald Everett got nine targets to Tyler Higby's four. Moment of silence, please, for my Tyler Higby love in the offseason. Man, that's rough. And I, it's really, Ty, Tyler Higby's dead for fantasy, guys. He is. For fantasy purposes, Tyler Higby is dead to me. And it's not his fault. I'm not sure. It, it makes no sense that offense to me, this year so far makes no sense. Uh, Tyler Higby is so much better than Gerald Everett. I'm not sure why they don't use him more. He was better last year. He's better this year. And for some reason, they, they just don't use him. So, I mean, big miss on my part this offseason. And sometimes there are talented guys that don't get the amount of work that even us fans, not guys who are getting paid millions of dollars to make these decisions, can see is better then who the coaching staff is choosing to roll with. And that always baffles me. But sometimes that's just what happens, and we have to learn to accept it and hope that it changes soon. But yes, Tyler Higby's definitely, if you didn't already, if he's not not already on your waivers, if he's on your roster, you can definitely drop him. Chargers versus Broncos. Keenan Allen turned in 22 points. He was, It's a great start to my top five call for the rest of season. Mike Williams finally got targets. He has not been somebody that Herbert has seemed to throw the ball to a lot. Finally, he got eight targets. He pulled off 99 yards with it and a touchdown. Maybe this will be the start of more involvement for him. That would be nice. Justin Jackson is now healthy. And guess what? He far outshined Josh Kelly. And then Kelly, as I told you guys earlier with Troy Main, he ceded touches to Troy Main Pope. He only had 10 or he only had seven attempts. Troy Maine had 10 attempts. Justin Herbert has another good day despite playing a tough defense. This guy is, I mean, you start him every week. Justin Herbert's a beast. Drew Locke started bad, but he picked it up in the second half. He led the comeback win. Philip Lindsay is clearly better than Melvin Gordon. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out for the rest of the season, but don't worry about Melvin too, too much because he's still the receiving back regardless. So even if Philip Lindsay takes the bulk of touches in the run game, Melvin is still there receiving back, and he'll probably get a lot of red zone looks too. So he's not going to be useless for fantasy. Jerry Judy finally gets 10 targets. He needs to be better with them. He has too many drops so far this season. Noah Fant, he got nine targets to Albert O's one. But the one target that Albert O. Guebunam got was a touchdown taken away from Noah Fant. So that sucked. But it's promising. It's good because it was starting to get to the point where I was like, oh boy, Albert O played college ball with uh, Drew Locke. And he's competing with Noah Fant, and maybe they both end up like splitting tight end targets, and neither of them are good. No, Noah Fant took back over 
that target share this week. And I, I think it'll continue because, I mean, let's be real. Fant was a high pick. He's very talented. We did not view Albert O in the same way. Not even close. So I think Fant will be fine. Then we have the 49ers Seahawks. Brandon Ayuk had a really good game. You guys know I'm not a big Ayuk guy. He had a really good game, but I'm hesitant for fantasy for several reasons moving forward. One, the 49ers threw the ball 41 times. This is way more than a usual game for them. Usually they're in the 30, 35 range. So already that alone means less targets to go around to the receivers in the future. Then you look at the fact that Debo Samuel was out this game. So obviously Ayuk's target share will decrease once Debo Samuel comes back. Then you have to consider the fact that the 49ers defense and running backs, their their identity, the entire 49ers team, their identity is built around defense and run game. Both of those things have been hurt most of the season. They were still hurt this game. They're all starting to get healthy. They're going to get more and more healthy as the season goes on, and they're going to need to throw the ball less and less and less, and their offense is going to get back to the run game. However, and I had to throw in this however because about like right when I started recording the podcast, see, you got to be quick on your feet sometimes here in the fantasy industry, actually most of the time. Um, the I got a Kittle alert, George Kittle alert, that he broke his foot and he's out for eight weeks. So what I thought was going to be like, you know, maybe two, three weeks. No, he's out eight weeks. So that will give Ayuk a better chance. It should offset some of the stuff I just mentioned, but I'm not too, too excited about Ayuk, but he'll definitely have some good weeks moving forward. And he also looked really good with Nick Mullins. Jimmy Garoppolo was just announced to be out indefinitely, which I hate that term because it basically means like there's no timetable at all, but he'll probably be out for at least three, four weeks. Um, and we, like I just said, we have no timetable on it, but that's fine because Ayuk looked good with Mullins. Mullins has looked good. He looked better than Jimmy. Um, I don't know if Jimmy just has the injury excuse all season or what, but we'll, we'll see what happens there. But Nick Mullins seems fine for fantasy purposes for the guys he's throwing the ball to. DJ Dallas, he was good with Carlos Hyde and Chris Carson out. DK Metcalf pulls in 15 targets. Tyler Lockett only pulled in five. Lockett owners, do not panic. You got to learn to live with this. You have to learn to live with it. Lockett is a boom-bust guy, but he is one of the best boom-bust guys because his booms are through the ceiling and his busts are not that bad. I mean, you would consider this week a bust and he got seven or eight points. It's not terrible at all. Saints-Bears. This game was super close. And as I said on Thursday, the Bears had a shot. I thought there was a shot for the Bears to steal this game from the Saints. I thought they matched up well. And the game was super close, went into overtime. And, you know, honestly, you guys know I'm a Bucks fan. And I was rooting for the Bears the entire time because we lost to the Bears. We being the Bucks, we lost to the Bears. I don't want the Saints to beat a team we lost to and then have a tie break over us because currently the Saints lost to the Packers and we beat the Packers. So as long as we beat the Saints and split with them, we have the tie break, but not anymore with the Bears. So now it'll come down to the other two teams in that division to see how we do against them and division record record and stuff. But either way, just giving you know an insight into Brandon and what I was thinking when I was watching this game. I was rooting for the Bears the whole time. But of course, Nick Foles being an idiot and taking horrible sacks completely just took away the chance for them to win that game combined with the multiple drops in the game that didn't help the Bears at all because you know Anthony Miller had a a big time drop in the fourth quarter Jimmy Graham dude stop throwing to Jimmy Graham are you kidding me just stop it just stop it stop it 
Why are GMs and coaches in love with this guy? He is so washed. He is so washed. And they kept throwing him the ball. He produced like 13 yards off seven targets. It is disgusting. And he had like three drops. Like, please, stop wasting your time throwing him the ball. Throw it to Mooney. Throw it to Allen Robinson. Throw it to Anthony Miller. Shoot, even throw it to Cole Met, your rookie tight end that you spent a high pick on. And you didn't even have a first-round pick this year. So... That's just frustrating. But Alvin Kamara, he continues his receiving dominance in lieu of Michael Thomas's absence, 13 targets. Drew Brees' arm is shot. You, Anyone that watches football and understands what Drew Brees used to look like versus what he looks like now can say it. I'm not throwing shade at Drew Brees. I know this is like a hot topic, whether Drew Brees' arm is shot and whether he's washed or not. Look, you, you don't have to be washed just because your arm is shot. Yes, his arm is shot, but... His mental astuteness keeps him doing good, just like Tom Brady. Look, Tom Brady's arm is definitely way more alive than Drew Brees' is right now. But as Tom Brady's arm starts to go in the next, you know, however long, I don't know if he plans on retiring after this second year in Tampa Bay or, or what's going on there, which is also interesting. But whatever Tom Brady decides to do in like the next two, three years, his arm is definitely going to be like taking a severe downturn. But just like Drew Brees, he wins with his mind. Drew Brees has been winning with his mind. That's why the Saints are still good. That's why Brees is still able to put up numbers despite having a very weak arm. You know, put it as it is. David Montgomery, he had a good game despite the tough matchup. And it's a good start to my buy low. I was telling you guys he was a buy low last week. I actually thought he was going to have a rough game this week. But 12 points ain't too rough. And uh, now he's got a pretty schedule moving forward. So really like David Montgomery. Anthony Miller and Darnell Mooney were both involved and did well other than that one drop I was just talking about for Miller. But in redraft, I have no interest. And that will bring us to the last game recap. Eagles Cowboys. All right, we're we're moving to this team right here, which is a team that is one very hard, very hard to understand. Carson Wentz is the reason why. Carson Wentz, brother, brother, you just got Jalen Rager back. You just got Dallas Goddard back. What are you doing making the so many bad, horrible decisions? I'm sure it was a Sunday night game, so I'm sure most of you guys were able to watch this game. It's just clear. Carson Wentz is, I don't know if he's just trying to be Superman, trying to play hero. You're playing a defense that sucks, and you turn the ball over four times. You have multiple times that you can see a defensive lineman coming towards you, and instead of trying to just live for another down, throw the ball out of bounds, it's not a third down or a fourth down or anything, you take the sack because you're trying to be crazy and get something out of nothing. Carson, bro, you, you're starting to get your weapons back. You're playing a horrible defense. Just run the offense how it's supposed to be run. Throw the ball out when it's not there. Be a better quarterback. Please, we know... All of us know you have the potential. We all saw that MVP season before you got hurt and obviously weren't able to win MVP, but you were definitely on track for it. And, you know, despite all this, the Eagles still won the game, which is great because that was our survivor pick this week. We are still alive. And guys, I didn't pull up the exact percentages. You guys know that's something I do for us on Thursday when I make my next pick for the next week. But I do know some, a lot of people took the, the Packers, this week versus the uh, Vikings. So they all, the, all those people got knocked out. I know a lot of people took the Titans versus the Bengals. Those people got knocked out. Um, and I know a lot of people took the Rams. Not actually, there wasn't that many people. I think it was like 2% that took the Rams. But yeah, we got we had some nice games going our favor. 
and knock some people out. So we're probably going to be in like the top 3% now. It was like 3.8%. Now we're probably top 3%. We are getting there. And I really think we can make it to the end of the season. So stay with me on the Survivor picks. And despite how bad Carson Wentz played, of course the Eagles won. And what I was betting on in this game was the fact that the Philly D-line was not going to let them lose. Versus the horrible, like, like injury-laden offensive line that is the Cowboys and the fact that they have a third-string quarterback, I knew there was no way Philly's D-line was going to let them lose this game. They didn't. Jalen Rager and Travis Fulgham, both of them are studs. I like them both for fantasy moving forward. Michael Gallup is apparently Danucci's favorite target. 12 targets Michael Gallup pulled in to CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper. I think they combined for about 12. So that's a huge difference. Michael Gallup basically did what they did together. The Cowboys, look, if you guys want to win this, and I don't even know if they do. Like, I think at this point, Jerry Jones needs to realize, like, the Cowboys are kind of in, like, a short, one-year, short-term rebuild right now with Dak out. You need to start selling some assets that are older, see what you can do to get some picks and rebuild this team. Um, And you probably need to shed one of those receivers, and you can get a lot for any of them probably. But if they want to win, if they want to win, if Jerry Jones is still like, no, we're so close, we're only two games back in the division, there's plenty left to go, we can make the playoffs, maybe do something in the playoffs, then you guys need to trade for Cam Newton or Sam Darnold or Ryan Fitzpatrick or even, this is a, a more of a long shot, but even Gardner Minshew or Jameis Winston is worth worth a shot. So you guys need to do something there if you're trying to win. Because obviously Danucci or even Dalton when he gets back is not going to cut it. With that said, I said, you know, there wasn't too many buy lows or sell highs I wanted to focus on. when Where I was right or wrong, you know, not going to focus on it too much. I We have, uh, you know, we're 45 minutes in and I'm kind of on a time crunch. Got a lot of school stuff to get to this week, um, specifically today. So, and I got the Bucks game today that I got to watch. I'm recording this right before the Bucks game on Monday. So, I can't take too much, too much more time. So, that was it for the for the day just the recaps and the waivers for you guys this week still got you the content and um we're still live in survivor picks remember so far we've taken seattle the chargers the colts the rams the cardinals the dolphins the bills and now the eagles out the way which thank god we got the eagles out the way oh my goodness like even with everyone coming back healthy if carson Wentz is going to play like that they're not going to be any any good teams so thank goodness we got them out the way that's awesome um and with that said drop a rating drop a review if you guys like the show, I appreciate you listening. I wish you guys luck on waivers. I wish you guys luck on the coming fantasy week. And I wish your NFL teams luck unless today, well, by the time you're listening to this, it's Tuesday. So I wish your fantasy teams luck unless you are a Saints fan because I'm pretty sure the Bucks play the Saints next week. And with that said, have a good one. Um, also, I will be having a unhinged podcast release so look out for that it might replace the thursday podcast because it'll be covering the same things i'll just have somebody on with me um and it'll be a little more loose you know we'll just be talking and um you know so keep an eye out for the unhinged podcast and i'll also be talking about some of the trades because obviously the trade deadline will be over at that point so there will be a bunch of trades that go down and yeah have a good one guys peace